SMQBs, this is episode 88. We give you a quick World Series update, little NFL Week 8 recap, give you our lock, see who, how everyone's doing, talk college football, biggest week of the season coming up, and then a couple punchable faces, a Ted Lasso. Check us out. Uh, leave us a five-star review and have fun. Thanks for listening. And the people climb up on the booth, singing from the people on the people. My head's the roof, dancing on the ceiling, on the people. I got people on the dancing on the people. I got people. SMQBs, this is our episode 88. Yes. Coming to you lean and mean tonight. We're down a couple. It's a World Series night. It's Halloween. So we just have the uh, the grown-ups who have crappy baseball teams are, uh, <laughs> are here. That's uh, Rooster, Pope, and Bison for you tonight. Or, or don't have young kids. Yeah, Milk is uh, out trick-or-treating. What do you guys think Milk went for as, uh, as Halloween tonight? Giselle. Yeah, I think he's, <laughs> he's definitely dressed up as uh, Giselle. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Toby's hoping, uh, hoping to get Tom back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Toby's at the game at the World Series tonight. Hope he has a good time. Um, and what Have jersey? Fun, do you think, what yeah. jersey do you think he's wearing? Enjoy it while you can. What jersey is he wearing? Hmm. I mean, it's a big deal. Do you think you go? Does he go? Like Bryce Harper, or does he really pull out the old school and go old like school. Mike Schmidt? I Mike Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah, I'd go Mike jersey. Schmidt. He's got jerseys like I have caps. I mean, he goes in there, he's got a whole closet of jerseys. Oh, Maybe yeah, he should go jersey wing. Maybe you should go Steve Carlton to give yeah, him a little I mean, boost oh, on the mound. One. Yeah, there you go. He might need it tonight, too. Mm-hmm. So, you think, well, he, you think he has like a Tug McGraw jersey? I mean, how, how far back do you think he goes? He's probably on eBay buying like a like a Tug McGraw used game worn mm-hmm. hat or something for good luck. <laughs> That's what I bet. So, so what do we guess? House. Which which one does he have? I think he's going Mike Schmidt. Yeah, that's probably right. Does he have a Harper jersey? Schmidt no, or Carl? For sure, he does. Yeah, he's got Harper jammies. So, would he is he more <laughs> likely to go vintage or or a team that you know that's playing right now? I think vintage. I'm going Harper. Harper. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll have to get so a you guys are on from with Schmidt. Yeah, I got Schmidt. Right. Schmidt Carlson. Yeah. All right. Uh, listen, number 88. This is interesting. This one shared the Orange County High School Athlete of the Year Award with none other than Tiger Woods. He was a first team All-American. What are you doing? At tight end and linebacker. He's six-time first team all pro, four-time second team, a 14-time pro bowler. He led the NFL in receptions in 2004. He was on the all-rookie team in 97. He's in the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame. Oh, Gonzalez. Yes. Tony Gonzalez. Good one. That's a good one. That is a good one. That's a good Tony one. Tony Gonzalez. Not yeah. as good as my man, Alan Page, but Alan still Page good. Alan Page strong, strong pull there. Good idea. Yeah, man. I mean, the guy was MVP know. as a defensive player. Only one I'll other person. You, I'll tell you who's not the greatest 88 ever. 
Michael Irvin. Come on now. Behind yeah, Pope. he is not. Nice try, Pope. Drew Pearson, nice Michael Irvin, no, 88 rule in Dallas. Special number. You guys so, know who the only other defensive player to ever be MVP was? Uh, Reggie White. What do you think, Pope? Other than? Other than Alan Page. Oh, you mean the guy who's sitting behind you? Yeah. Supreme Court Justice for Minnesota Supreme Court. I don't think LT ever was. It was LT. Oh, was it? Was it? Yeah, it was LT. LT and Alan Page. Only two. Yep. Interesting. Good stat. Pope, that's something you should have come up with. Disappointed. Well, right, do a deep out. dive. We uh, we usually lead off with uh, with football, but we got to talk a little World Series tonight. Um, it is Game Three. The series is going back to Philadelphia. Suffice it to say, a little bit of a shock the world in Game One with the Phillies, particularly mm-hmm. when they were started out down five nothing. It looked like the Astros were on their way to steamrolling through the series, just like they have on their way there. Uh, but then a little lightning struck, and and uh, Philly's got another timely home run. Uh, game well, two. Well, Verlander do what Verlander do in the World Series. What is he? Oh, oh, and six. Yeah. And now, well, he didn't get the loss, but he's still oh and six with a five run lead. He couldn't close the deal. Well, and this yeah. Phillies team has no quit in it. I mean, they're they're in every game because they come back late. Even last, even the other night. They lost five to two, but it could have very easily been oh. five to four if that ball um, that Schwarber, uh, Schwarber, twice. Schwarber yeah, yeah. But then inch of the foul pole in the first one, and then you know he hits the ball just a couple inches higher. I mean, he had a home run. He wasn't really robbed since uh, the outfielder caught the ball over the fence, but he had a home run taken away. Yeah, and and those uh, those uh, foul poles in uh in houston they've uh at least one world series changed uh fates by hitting one of them so uh that 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 that, uh that wouldn't have been that would have been a little eerie for houston fans have another home run off a foul pole right so we're back in uh we're back in philly now one one i don't know what do you guys see coming down the pike well best of five philly's got the home field advantage um they're, you know, the Braves of last year, this exact same scenario. I, I, even though I predicted the Astros to sweep, I do see Philly taking two of three um, and going back with a three to two lead. But I guess next pod we'll talk about it. I don't know if they can close, close the door with winning, winning one in Houston. It's going to be, it's going to be close. I think it might go seven now, now with a best of five. I I think tonight and tomorrow night are key because I I mean I know that Noah Syndergaard is an amazing pitcher when he's on, but he hasn't been on since since you know the beginning of September. He's had a really rough outing. He's pitched 24 innings and given up 10 runs since the early September, and just doesn't look like he has his stuff. So if he has his stuff tonight, then they're in great shape. If not, advantage Astros with Lance McCullers on the mound. And then tomorrow night, who are who's who are the Phillies going to trot out there? It's got Christian Javier. I mean, I don't know anything about that guy, but I Suarez was lights out 
for the Astros against the Yankees. So I'd say advantage Astros again. The winner of in a in a one one series, the winner of Game Three wins the series triumphs in the World Series sixty nine percent of the time. So this is you know this is it's not it's not a lock you know you win tonight, but it sure is a a pretty big deal. Whoever takes the game really has the upper hand. That's for sure. I wonder what the stat is on the team that has home field taken away from them that loses game three, you know, kind of like, right. like the Astros last year, the Astros, if they lose tonight this year, you know, cause then they have to play two more away before they get to come home. But let's not forget in, in game one and two, the Astros put up five quick runs. Yeah. They just need to, they just need to, you know, buckle down with the, when, 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 and hold a lead and and again, that's easier said than done because the Phillies are one tough team. They just scrap and keep going. And um, I, I just think they're all they're in every game. Every game's going to be close. Well, one of the advantages we gave to Houston going in was their bullpen. Bullpen had been untouchable, but uh, I think they showed some definite uh, weakness in the first two games. I mean, look at uh, Rialto in game game one, home game winning home run in the tenth yeah. off their closer. Uh, Syndergaard hasn't pitched much lately either, though, right? I mean, I think he's he pitched one and a third in game four of the NLDS. I think that's it uh, that, that he's thrown. So, right. you know, that, that environment is going to be pretty fired up, pretty electric. This is a hard-throwing guy. Um, watch out for Altuve taking him deep in the first inning. You get a, you get a power pitcher – who's uh, gets a little amped up. I mean, in Washington, we were very used to watching Max Scherzer, you know, just try and overpower everybody and throw one groove one down right down the middle and someone take them deep in the playoffs. I I wouldn't be shocked to see something like that tonight. And Altuve is on fire too, after, after being miserably bad Mm -hmm. in the postseason, he's uh, he's really looks like he's sort of heating up a little bit. The advantage that the Phillies have against the Astros that the Yankees did not have is um, the the Yankees' best contact hitters were on the injured reserve list, LeMayhew and Benatendi, um, and and the other ones were struggling. The guys who were healthy were swinging for the fences, and with it, with, with superior pitching usually beats that kind of a approach. The Phillies don't necessarily do that they've got really good contact hitters and who put the ball in play yeah i haven't studied it but my perception is the phillies are not striking out quite as much as the yankees did it seemed a huge disparity in that series yeah yeah well that and and, you know i said it a minute ago but but i I mean you got to give the phillies the nod on the on the uh, the home field tonight, right? I mean, that place is going to be huge bananas when it starts. Probably be one of the best environments for baseball that we've we've seen uh, in a long time for for a World Series game. Yep. And uh, our own house will be one of the forty odd thousand there. All right. So Pope and Rooster, you had this guy in a Houston sweep. Uh, what do you you, you want to revise your predictions now that it's one one? Well, we're obviously wrong. 
<laughs> well, I wasn't really gonna. I wasn't gonna rub that in, but yeah, you were. But so. no, I think Pope's right. I think you know, once once Philly showed they could do it in Game One, um, and didn't fold in Game Two when they were down five five runs. Uh, I, I think it's gonna be a tight tight one in every game, and um, uh, it's it's gonna go at least six. It's either Phillies in six or Astros in seven. I'm sticking with my original ways. You feel strongly both ways. <laughs> way, way to take a side. <laughs> I'm, I'm two minds. My original. Uh, I'm going uh, Astros in five. I think the Phillies. Got, so you got the broom out for the weekend. Wow. Yeah, I think I think the Phillies for, got lucky with one, and the Astros are are too good. Um, although I do still feel that that team of destiny story wouldn't wouldn't shock me. I guess, but I think the Astros. Roll three off, uh, four in a row, three in Philly. That'd be quite a feat. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on from the World Series. Rooster, fill us in, fill in for House, who usually talks NFL. What do you got for us this week? It's, well, first of all, the Giants' ride is over. We're down. We've been taken down to reality by the Seahawks. It's a bump in the road. Knew it was the coming. Mighty, mighty Seahawks. We knew it was coming. I mean, when you have, when you have, uh, Four wide receivers nobody's ever heard of. Your your punt return guy is going to be somebody off the street somewhere. He's like the he's like the backup goalie coming at, coming down from the stands uh, in the NHL, and he fumbled twice and near the goal line, and that was the end of that game. And the game wasn't even as close as the score. No, no. I mean, if it, if Lockett Lock, Lock fumble hit, on the yeah, two, fumbled and, and dropped, dropped a touchdown. A touchdown. Yeah. So, um, but nonetheless. The NFC uh, East is uh, is really a su- huge surprise this year. I mean, who who would have guessed that at this point of the season, the Rams, Packers, and possibly the Bucks would be out of playoff contention? They're not, but they could be. They easily could be. They all have losing records. And they haven't and shown who, any indication they're going to turn it around. Yeah, and who would have guessed that the Giants would be six and two? Um, so, so put aside put aside the Eagles, and I, God, it pains me to say that, but put aside the Eagles and maybe the Cowboys. Like, who is an NFC team that's really good? No one. I mean, that's. I think that's my point. Is yeah. This this whole year is the Eagles, the Bills, and Kansas City is cream of the crop and then and then the rest is mediocrity and there's some that are rising to the top of the mediocre level and i think the cowboys are one of those teams possibly the vikings in the nfc east <laughs> the cream of the mediocrity That's yeah awesome. they're rising to we've that got the cream be, we've got the, the above average we've got the above average teams the cowboys Slightly and the vikings average and the niners maybe look at the what the niners are are doing in over since they got uh, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, they've got Debo Samuel Hurt on on the sideline, and they all of a sudden look like a juggernaut again on offense with Ayuk finally playing up to his potential, and Chris, Christian McCaffrey scoring a touchdown three different ways, running, passing, and receiving in this game, and and Jimmy G looked very serviceable in that game against the Rams. So if they play like that every day. They're a playoff team. Now, I'm not saying they're going to knock off the Eagles in the end, 
but they, the Cowboys and the Vikings look like playoff teams. If the Vikings could ever figure out how to pass the fricking ball more than five yards of a pass or seven yards of pass to the best deep threat in the game, Justin Jefferson, they might be a little, you know, more of a threat, but man, they're just so predictable. It's ridiculous. The Cowboys are like the butterfinger of, of Halloween, right? Like if you reach into your bag as a kid, you pull out a butterfinger, you're like, oh, that's cool. It's better than candy corn, but it's not a Milky Way, right? It's, I mean, that's kind of like the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Interesting analysis. <laughs> Would anybody here have figured that after week eight, the Seahawks would be in first place in the NFC West. I mean, we have the defending the Rams Super Bowl the champions in that division, and the oh, Niners and the NFC Conference finalists. And by the way, five minutes from the Super Bowl. Yeah, how many? How many draft? How many draft picks did they pick up in the uh, in the off season to end up in that position? They're, right, they're freaking thrilled to have Russell Wilson off their team. And by the way, who the hell invaded Geno Smith? Body yeah, right? and is playing quarterback for the Hawks right now. Dropping dimes. Oh my God. Did you see those passes he threw? I mean, the, he threw two great touchdown passes to Tyler Lockett and one hit him in the face mask and bounced <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean, Geno Smith is the man right now. What's going on with that? Right. Pete Carroll Crazy. magic. Crazy. When you think he uh, was the game had passed him by. And the, you know, I, I here's the reason I think. I don't know. I I feel like unless you're an Eagles, Bills, or or Chiefs fan right now, the NFL might be taking a turn for maybe being a little boring, um, because you know who's in the playoffs already. After Week Eight, you already know who the playoff teams are. With pretty much ninety percent right? certainty, I would right. say. Right. You know, at oh, least one through oh, six. Okay. At least one through six in each in each conference. And and you know who the number one because. Because of the new playoff format, the number one seed is so, so important. They get a bye. You know who that's going to be? It's going to be Philly and and Buffalo. Yep. I mean, Philly's got they've got a two game lead on the Cowboys now, head to head. So it's really three, and they've got a one game really two because of head to head against the Vikings. They would have to totally, you know, step on their dick to lose first place. Well, in but the don't NFC. forget though. Well, the one thing that we can't predict are injuries, of course, right? I mean, I mean, one one bad injury can derail a, a juggernaut, right? Jalen goes down, and Philly, you know, they still probably it would can. have to be Jalen though, because yeah. they've got. I mean, they really have stacked their lineup. They've got two a position a wide receivers. Those guys still, are awesome. I'm still and holding out end. that the uh, that the NFC East has four playoff teams. And you know what? It could happen. You, you, you know. So the Commanders three games in a row, right? Are, own, yep. are only yep. down, uh, only on the tiebreak right now to the Niners, which they right. can hear that they just keep winning. Yeah, the, the Commanders would be in first place if they were in the NFC South. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, they're four and four. I mean, the Bucks are three and five. Come on, what's going on in this? league this year i i don't know i so the afc is the same way from one through say six maybe maybe one through seven bills chiefs ravens titans are the four division winners looks like almost hands down at this point then you got the dolphins chargers and the Bengals. who else is sneaking in there no you got the jets they're the number five seed right now at five and three. Oh, the jets are 
cratering. Yeah, they're, they're not. Yeah, they're the they're Jets out. are they're they're, out. They're, they're quarterback is horrendous. And they had that they, they had the injury right losing uh, Brees Hall. Yeah, they're they're, they're they're done. All right. So in the in the AFC, then would you say of, of the teams that are right now they're slotted, which we just went over: Bills, Titans, Chiefs, Ravens, Jets, Dolphins, and Chargers. Would you say maybe flop the Jets and the Bengals? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Bengals look like they're heating up, although, you know, I say that and they'll lay an egg tonight against Cleveland, right? Right. They might, but, you know, they've got three excellent wide receivers. So losing Jamar Chase for a month is, is not as big a deal as it would be on a team like the Giants that has zero good wide receivers. Well, we've got we've got one surprise team we talked about in Seattle. Pope, who's a surprise team you got? Well, I mean, I, I, I think I was saying last night, who's a bigger surprise? Is it the Seattle or is it Washington? Because, I mean, I I think when we looked at the NFC East, um, you know, I think we both saw Philadelphia and Dallas as the best teams uh, with maybe Washington and the Giants, you know, somewhere further behind. But I, I don't know, it, especially with Carson Wentz going out. To me, Washington's got to be one of the – you guys have won, what, three in a row? That's yep, got to yeah. be a big – that's a big surprise. I, I I figured after the Eagles just humiliated them in FedEx, the game we were at, which was, you know, a, a home game for the Eagles and then the Cowboys uh, the next week, I figured that they would just fold up and go away and and – that's that's my biggest surprise right now is how well, even, resilient the commanders have been. It's even worse than that too because the next the next home game was against the Titans and they're just one dumb Carson Wentz pick at the one yard line yep. away from actually yep. being five and three right now. I mean they're yeah. going in to win that game when Wentz threw a threw a dumb int. So um, yeah, I you know I thought the Giants would win four four games all year maybe five. So they're a surprise to me. And I I think it could be, it, it's probably good for the fan base. I mean, we needed something to cling to, but in the long run business terms, business prospect, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. If we have like a right. nine win season and don't right. go very far because we need some more draft picks. Right. Right. I got yeah, a surprise. But, but have you, have you seen your next two? Roosters? Oh yeah. You guys well, should be we have a buy and then. Texans and the Lions, the next yeah. two. Yeah. And then, you know, that Cowboy game is shaping up to be on, on, uh, that's in that Thanksgiving day. That's going to be a great game. In maybe, maybe, maybe. Here's we my have. surprise team. <laughs> For one can of us, so Will. Can we talk about the Raiders? Oh, yes. Wow. Oh, my God. That's a surprise team, man. I mean, I said they were shit about three weeks ago, but I really didn't think they were going to get blanked. By the Saints, yeah, good. Twenty-four, Lord. nothing. I mean, the Raiders are two and five with Dalton not at quarterback. Good. Yeah, not good. I had the uh, the Raiders have been sort of carrying my fantasy two fantasy teams the last couple of weeks. I had uh, Josh Jacobs and Daniel Carlson as my kicker. Carlson got zero points. Yeah, uh, well, because they didn't score a point. They didn't score a point. And yeah. then Josh Jacobs yeah. did, he went from getting like three touchdowns to two points for me. Yeah, Not I don't know what the hell happened in that game. Just bad, bad team. Um, we saw uh, the trifecta this weekend, didn't we? I, That's uh, right. 
I, I kind of remember Hal saying that the the Niners were uh, were dumb for trading all those picks for a running back, right? Yeah. What if you trade all those picks and you get a running back, a quarterback, uh, and, a <laughs> and a receiver? Yeah. Right. Christian McCaffrey is a stud. He just needs to be healthy. And on this team, he doesn't need to play nearly every down. I mean, he and Diabo Samuel have a similar game. If those two guys stay healthy, look out. God, see how fast he still is with all the injuries he's had? Yeah. That one breakaway run around the left end? Yeah. No, he was like an inch away from scoring. And he outran a couple of guys who look like they should be a lot faster than he is. Those two guys, you know, with the, their games, like you said, Rooster, are really similar. And that just creates such problems for defenses um, because you, you just don't know what who's going to do what coming out of the backfield or or spread out wide, right? I mean, there's right. just unlimited options with them. And then you let Kittle and Ayuk go down the field and get open. That's a, that's a potent de- offense. Yeah. But, you know, looks the Browns and the Steelers, the Colts, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Patriots look like they're lost seasons for all of them. And all usually good teams. You got to say something uh, about Tua being back. I mean, it's personally, it still troubles me that he's playing right now. Right. I mean, we and we, you know, we obviously had uh, the doctor on to talk about the, the, the concussion, the brain injury. Um, if you didn't listen to that episode, I think that was what was that 85? I think it was episode 85. Check it out. Or six. Yeah, 85 or six. Yep. Yeah, that's that's worth listening to if you haven't listened to it yet. But um man, though, when he's in there and he's not getting, you know, his brain scrambled, he looks pretty good. Sure does. He sure does. For 36. He's yeah. accurate and he's able to throw the ball downfield farther than people give him credit for. Pop yeah. quiz, who's got the number one quarterback passer rating in the NFL right now? Uh, Tua? That'd be Tua. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I'm not going to defend what I said on the last pod, but, uh, you know, they made they have a made a calculated decision that he is going to play, and as long as he is getting cleared by whatever doctors he's going to, then, you know, the Tagovailoa family is assuming the risk, and it's hard to look him in the eye and say after the last game, you know, hey, dude, maybe sit out this year. It's just hard to do that. Yeah. Right. You can't, I mean, you're not going to have that conversation successfully with a 24 year old athlete. That's why the adults need to step it, step it up. And they didn't. And they, they're clearly not going to. And I'm just, I just hope nothing bad happens because he's playing great. He is playing. Yeah, I think we can all, all on the same page that we all hope that nothing bad happens. I don't want to be proven right on this one. No, exactly. Exactly. All right, all right. Well, who's got the locks? I got the locks. How we doing? Uh, all of you are doing great. We were the SMQBs had another great week. We went four and one, and unfortunately, the one loss was me. Uh, the G men let me down. I thought I was going to ride them one more week, and they let me down. But uh, Bison picked the Ravens. And one, he's now three and five, tied with me for last place. House took the Vikings. He's five and three, tied with Pope for first place, who took the Cowboys. And Milk Ride took him. Milk took the Bucks. And is three and five, tied with 
with uh, actually Bison and me for last place. So it's House, Pope, and then three of us tied for last. So Pope, since you're, uh, we got House's pick in. He t- he's taking the Vikings, who are who are giving up three and a half to the uh, Commanders that is, at is, Washington. It's uh, an interesting line. What kind of home field advantage is that? Yeah. Um, so uh, that's that's House's pick. Return he's of first Kirk Cousins. Yep. Yeah. Hope you're up next. What do you got? That's a tempting pick, House, but just to be a contrarian, I'm going to go. I think I was impressed enough with the Seahawks. I think they'll they travel well. I'm going to I'm going to take the Seahawks and the points. I'm getting two according to my score. I don't know what y'all are seeing. I've Um, got two. Yeah. At Arizona, I get two. I will take Pete Carroll's and the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Does anyone get a pick in from milk? Well, I think he's, he's, uh, doesn't he have a strategy? Um, opposite of the bucks or, he, or the, he, he takes the, the team. He thinks he's definitely going to win and then goes the opposite. Yeah. So we're going to have to get a post show pick from milk. Yeah. We'll get a pick from him. Um, I listen, milk made a lot of, uh, he did well for a short period of time, they're picking whoever was playing the commanders. Um, and I'm returning the favor to him last week. I picked whoever was playing the bucks and the Ravens covered. And I was right this week. I'm going to take the Rams who are getting three from the bucks. Uh, man, those are two, two, teams no, the right. Rams are given three, aren't they? No, Tampa no. Bay is giving three. Tampa's Tampa's given three. All right. So I'm taking the Rams getting three. All right. Well, I'm tempted to take the Chiefs off of a bye, but uh, what is it? do you have the line in that game is 11? 12 and a half. Oh, 12 and a half now. Yeah, that's too much. Yeah, I got 12 and a half. That's too much. Chiefs off of bye look awfully appealing right now, but 12 and a half is too much. So I'm going to take the Vikings. Sorry, Bison. Against yeah. the commanders at three and a half. Hey, you do what you got to do. I need to get back in it, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I said I I was going to win this thing. I need to start winning some games here. You do what you got to do. All right. Anything else on the NFL this week? Uh, Big trade today. The Bears uh, picked up, traded Roquan Roquan Smith to the Ravens. So the Ravens defense just took, took it up a notch. God, so the Bears have traded their two biggest defensive assets. Yeah. And last offseason, they traded Khalil Mack. So I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe well, they'll play, play. Maybe they'll play Justin Fields both ways. They gave <laughs> up 49 points this weekend. So I can't imagine we knew doing much better going forward. Boy, that's, uh, oof, that's rough. All right. Pope, talk to us about the uh, minor league uh, football. <laughs> Well, we finally have the biggest weekend of the year to date. Uh, Everything's been leading up to uh, the big clash down uh, between the hedges in Georgia. Uh, I know Mr. B is fired up for this weekend, but Tennessee, who dispatched Kentucky, who everybody was kind of in love with in the beginning, uh, and their quarterback just humiliated them uh, 
on uh, at, down at Nayland Stadium the other night. And now Georgia, who took care of Florida, yeah, they made it interesting, but but it never 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 really that close. Um, the line in the game is what gets me. So it's uh, last I looked, it was eleven and a half, which is a lot to be that's giving a up. Lot. That's a lot to be giving up to a team that's already beaten Alabama and has proven itself probably one of the top two or three teams in the league. Interestingly enough, AP actually has them tied with Ohio State now. So this is technically a number one and number two matchup coming uh, on Saturday. So um, obviously the odds makers think a lot of the home field advantage for Georgia. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, Tennessee is, is tough. Uh, we'll see if Georgia's defense can hold down uh, Hooker and all his uh, assets, but um, it's it should be a good game. And the winner of that game, eight and a half now. I got okay. Eight and a half. Well, I'm telling you, initially that's what I saw. Yeah, and I was shocked. Uh, what do you see for Alabama LSU now? I haven't looked at that. That was ten and a half. Let's see. That one uh, is at thirteen. So <laughs> that's gone up. Yeah. Um, that's the other big game of the day is Alabama going to Baton Rouge big time Saturday night. Those guys are going to be going nuts. That's the hardest stadium to play in for a night football game. And, uh, you know, they're going to want to give it to Nick Saban if they can. Um, that's a lot of points to give up too on a road for a road team. But, uh, the winner of Tennessee, Georgia, I was going to say has the inside track, obviously to Atlanta and the sec championship game. Um, We've been talking about if Alabama can beat LSU, Ole Miss, uh, and then win out, that they would play the winner of Tennessee, Georgia, in a de facto, you know, college football uh, semifinal potential game. Um, Ohio State uh, made it interesting at Penn State, but they they had a huge fourth quarter, scored like twenty some odd points uh, in a row, and put away Penn State. So, um, you know, it's all as much as you guys hate love, whatever, it's all kind of coming down to the sec potentially having two teams, uh, Ohio state and some other team, um, Clemson, uh, obviously Ohio state and Michigan are going to play. So they'll go ahead. What about TCU? What about TCU? What what about, what about this weird line? Clemson minus three and a half at Notre Dame. Makes no sense. That seems like a, a sucker. Notre bat, Dame's been playing better. And, mm. you know, it's going to be a wild atmosphere. That's going to be a good game. And Clemson has shown some weakness. Uh, arguably, they should have lost to Syracuse. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I can I can see why the line is only three and a half. And that, that just adds to the big Saturday we got coming up. Uh, TCU is, is moving forward. You, you know, they're potentially going to go, but I uh, looking to me, Mike, maybe they play Kansas state in uh, the big 12 championship game and K state just humiliated Gundy's crew. Oklahoma state was a 48 to nothing. I mean, just horrible uh, loss for Oklahoma state. Um, everything, everybody else though, is uh, just kind of uh, positioning for the big six uh, new year's day games. I mean, I think, I think the college football playoff, uh, like I said, I think it's starting to come down to who we thought it would be in the beginning. I think Tennessee is the really only surprise team in the top four or five right now. Yeah. All right. Anything else on, on college? 
UCLA, Arizona State, that's that's interesting too. UCLA hanging around, right? At 10. Yeah, they're hanging yeah. around, but yeah. Bad loss to Oregon. Yep. Yep. Right. All right. That's it on college football. Rooster, you got a punchable face? Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kuja with a triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. I do. I do. You know, you've been hearing a lot about the anti-Semitic nonsense coming out of the mouth of Kanye West recently, because he's part of this black Hebrew Israelite movement that the Southern Poverty Law Center has been tracking for a long time, which has a legitimate um, history that even even it started in the 1800s. Um, where where they were preaching self-empowerment and economic independence and claiming to have um, uh, come from the, you know, to be the original Israelites. And even Martin Luther King adopted a lot of the theories of, of this movement. The problem is with a lot, like with a lot of movements, you get these extremists who can't just preach empowerment and progress, they have to hate other groups. And that's a, that's the part of the group that Kanye West follows. Well, guess who else now follows this group? I mean, after f- a few weeks of the NBA and not hearing anything crazy from Kyrie Irving and thinking, hey, maybe this guy is actually a citizen of this planet this year. No, not so much. Um, the Nets are what are they one in five? And before their last loss, Kyrie decides he's going to tweet out a link to this movie that um, one of the extremists from that mo- movement, Ronald Dalton Jr., um, made based on a book that he wrote. Hebrews to Negroes is the name of the book and the movie, and it's just loaded with anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic tropes and just you know. Disgusting, really. It's just disgusting stuff. Um, it's it's an affront to the Jewish people. It's it it's full of homophobia and misogyny and every all this other crap. And it's an embarrassment to the Nets. The Nets felt like they had to come out and make a statement um, saying that they strongly condemn that movie and the book. And then the owner of the Nets, Joe Sy, issued a statement Friday saying. He, how disappointed he was in Kyrie um, for a, for supporting a film based on a book full of anti-Semitic disinformation and said that this is much bigger than basketball. I mean, who knows what they're going to, it seems like the owner is really upset about this and who knows what he's going to do with Kyrie Irving now, who knows if Kyrie stays in the nets at this point. But like I said, the nets are one in five. They're in disarray. You think KD is having fun? There are other superstar. <laughs> KD is like, what the hell, Kyrie? What are you doing here? You know, um, it's just like the last thing that they needed is more crazy Kyrie controversy while they're struggling. He he gets a punch in the face for just being so goddamn weird that he can never ever just put the team before himself and his crazy flat world 
bullshit theories. He's just, he's like, we said last year, the guy is a cancer in the locker room and he continues to prove that to be the case. So punch in the face to Kyrie Irving for, first of all, for being a bigot. And second of all, for just being a horrible team player. Yeah, uh, that's a good one, Rooster. And, and I think you got to, you know, you got to sort of add on to that. Uh, what happened at the end of the Georgia Florida game, too, right? Which is related. Um, where, uh, you know, at the end, as the game ends, right? I, I guess you don't call it, they don't call it the cocktail party anymore, right? You know, that's not, it's not okay to call it the largest cocktail party. Well, it's what not competitive it? anymore. So I guess not. No, but isn't it like the, the picnic? World's, now, the world's largest, largest outdoor cocktail party. That's what it used to be, but they don't, you're not allowed to call it that anymore. It's like the biggest picnic or something now. Anyway, um, but at the end of that game, somebody flashed up on the stadium after the game was over that, you know, Kanye was right about the Jews and broadcasted on the side of the stadium. Uh, you know, the teams, the schools have both come out against it now. And uh, the owner of, uh, I guess they play at Jacksonville, the Jags stadium, the owner of the Jags, uh, Shaw came out and condemned it. Um, but just, you know, there's, there's just a lot of people who think it's okay to hate. And, uh, and, and, you know, anybody who has, who's advocating for hate in any way, shape or form, you get punched in the face this week. And if you're, uh, look, if you're, if you have a, a platform like Kyrie Irving, you know, think twice about the stuff you put out there. It's just, it's just irresponsible, especially in these times where there's so many people out there looking for a reason to jump on board with hate speech like that. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Well, that's, that's certainly deserving of a punch and compared to it, this, this story doesn't come anywhere close to it, but I think we kind of have to at least mention it. Uh, it maybe this is a, a milk slap. Um, but man, um, DJ Moore, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, if you watch the, if you watch the That's Panthers. That's just the idiot move of the week. Yeah. If you watch the Panthers Falcons game, first question is why were you watching the Panthers Falcons game? But that's what but came on after get, the Cowboys game was bonus right? coverage. Well, once we get past that, I mean, you got PJ Walker, whoever the fuck that is. Uh, through the ball, first of all, it's like the longest pass in the air since 2016. The ball traveled 67.9 yards in the air. Um, looked like hit, 70 to me. Yeah, he hit DJ Moore for a Hail Mary touchdown with 13 seconds left. And the extra point would have given Carolina the win. But instead, Moore takes his helmet off. Now, I guess there's a little controversy over this, but whether he did it in, in the field of play. And he was out of bounds. Yeah, it was out of bounds, but still, you're not supposed to take your helmet off in celebration, right? I mean, just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't don't take your helmet off. So instead of the extra point being from what is it? I don't know where they kick it from. Now it's like 30 yards total. Uh, it it ends up being a 45 yard kick, and the it's guy 48 yard field goal. 48, yeah, 48. So the guy misses it, and uh, and by the way. Eddie Pinheiro, who's isn't he the double doink guy from Chicago? Yes. Playoffs? Yes. So yeah. This guy's got a long history of missing 
critical. Uh, well, wait, you, you realize he picks. also missed a 31 yard field goal to win the game in overtime. In overtime, right? Yes. So Eddie Pinero's got a, a good track record of he missing deserves a part of that kicks. kick. Right, but don't don't back him up 15 yards. If Eddie Pinero is your kicker, don't back him up 15 extra yards. Right? Yeah, but I'm not a Play fan the of the referees deciding the outcome of a game on something like that. That's silly. I mean, you got these le- legal uh, celebrations that go on for 20 minutes in the end zone where people are doing the worm and everything else and posing <laughs> in front of the screen. The whole defense runs down there and gets in front of the screen. I mean, come on, man. That just Swallow ample, your whistle at the end of the game. Ample idiocy to go around on this one. So I'm not sure who gets the, the milk slap on that, but definitely somebody has to. Well, but so. uh, just a technical question. I mean, was if he's out of bounds and he takes his helmet off, is that an actual penalty? Some would say no, apparently. Some, yeah. some officials have come out and said it shouldn't have been called. Wait, is, I mean, there's not a it's not a, a black and white line. They're, they're drawing line. a distinction between the out-of-bounds strip and then being beyond that into the bench area. I don't know why. I don't know what's the difference. You're out of apparently the field of play. Legal. Yes, what apparently it's legal. If you're off the field of play, it's legal. Well, So it shouldn't have been called. When you're out of the end zone, you're off the field of play. Right. Yeah, I get it. I know. I, I, Look, it's just bad. Shouldn't have been around. called. Shouldn't have been all called, around. but he shouldn't sounds, have done it. Sounds to me like, and I agree, DJ Moore should be slap milked or whatever, but that the referee who called it as well should have a little slap. Otherwise yeah, known as milk slapped. slapped. Milk slapped. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for punchables. Pope, you have a punchable? I think we're good with two this week, right? No, I don't need a. would love to punch Kyrie again, but no. Yeah. All right. I got a lasso. Um, we got to shout out the Marine Corps Marathon, which happened in, in Washington, D.C. yesterday. First time since 2019. Uh, the, the Marine Corps Marathon is is called the People's Marathon, and uh, it's really pretty cool. The, you know, the, the monuments and the and the uh, museums and the government buildings in D.C. create quite a backdrop. And congratulations to Captain Kyle King. Uh, who won the uh, the Marine Corps Marathon yesterday with a time of two hours, 19 minutes, and 19 seconds, which means that he could have done it uh, two times compared to the fastest marathon I ever ran. Um, and then also, uh, we have to congratulate um, the women's winner, who was, uh, let's see here, um, Chelsea Baker, who won the women's, and I'm trying to find her time. Um, I'm not seeing her time, but those are the two winners of the Marine Corps Marathon. Oh, there. Uh, no, I don't have her time for some reason. Oh, 242, 242 um, in the women's for Chelsea Baker. So congratulations to Chelsea Baker and to Kyle King. You're our lassos this week for uh, for winning the Marine Corps Marathon. You guys got uh, got anything else this week? Nope. No. Look, look time to go to, hand out uh, candy. Look forward to our retreat and a potential live pod. Stay tuned. Yeah. 
keep uh, keep your ears peeled for a special live episode, maybe coming later this week. A little bonus, a little bonus World Series action. A little right. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good week. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michaeler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.